Welcome to issue 68 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Steve, and joining me tonight is Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello, sir. What a delight to be with you again. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and joining us tonight is Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, Steve. Good evening. Well, I heard that you have something on your mind tonight. What is it? I do. This came on my feed. It's okay to modify the rules of the game if you enjoy it more that way. It's okay to skip the story text if you don't feel like reading it. It's okay to try again if you lose. It's okay to build your deck based on the cards you're looking at, even if they're not the best cards. I see a lot of people gatekeeping others, but I also see a lot of people gatekeeping themselves. Like, I'd enjoy this game if Y were more like Zed. And then somebody says, so play it that way. And they reply, I can't. I'm here to tell you that you can. Making variants is fun. Do you guys know who said that? I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess MJ Newman. That was MJ Newman. Oh. Yep. A.K.A. Maxine, A.K.A. lead designer on Arkham Horror, the card game, which I hear is a pretty darn good game. Heard whispers about that game. Don't know much about it. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, hey, that's that's a designer at Fantasy Flight Games. So, yes. What what specifically drew you to that quote, Mike? Oh, oh I don't I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's been <laughs> murmurings here and there about uh, certain scenarios and in certain. Guardians of the Galaxy boxes for Marvel Comics, the card game. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think what this is saying is, you know, play the game you want to play. This game was developed for a very wide audience. I've listened yep. to you know, the Marvel Champions Monthly podcast, and they have opinions on the box that don't e- aren't even in line with my own. I actually, from the sounds of it, prefer more difficult campaign than they do, and that's because a lot of them play with their kids, and some people might want it harder, some people might want it really easy and not have to deck build at all and the designers have to somehow cater to everyone and they managed to do a pretty darn good job with the modular sets and being able to tweak the difficulty however we like so why not just take that as far as we can i mean it's not like this is a competitive card game or anything you're playing against yourself just have fun so if you want to play ronin and you want to have an easier time on yourself in campaign mode here's what i suggest take out the cream militant set put in something like bomb scare and don't put any of the side schemes into play right off the bat so don't put the server maneuver out don't put the Cree supremacy out keep the Cree ship with the hazard icon but when you deal out the you stand accused treachery deal that out and make that the hazard card for the first round mm. that's just something to tweak it and have fun with the game another thing you could do tell me this is wrong is you could sub in rhino which sounds like ronin if you say it right <sighs> So, <laughs> but your ultimate point and the quote you chose, um, yeah, yeah, community, come on now. And unless we lose sight of the whole it's just a game thing. Yeah. Yep. So I see tons of really cool custom content out there that people like to play with. So why not customize your game that FFG is giving us without adding in that, cu- that you know, third party fan made stuff? It's the same idea. Just yep. customize it. Have fun with it. Yep. Who cares if it's not tournament legal? 
yeah. Oh boy. That's what was on my mind tonight, Steve. Yeah, I think that's good. I like that. Thanks for bringing us down to earth there, Mike. So what we're going to talk about tonight is the fifth scenario in a different campaign box that's not Ronin, but also starts with an R, Red Skull. Mm. So this is our this is the the start of the end for us on that this whole first wave all the way through the Avengers and Hydra. Wow. And and after this we're going to move into the Guardian stuff. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. We're almost current. It's crazy. Uh, Lord. We're going to do our classic two-parter on Red Skull, and then we're going to have a third part where we're going to talk all about the Rise of Red Skull campaign uh, in part three. So, Daniel, I hear, I hear you have journeyed down the rabbit hole and know all about the Red Skull. Oh, my goodness. And rabbit hole it is. This is... Um... This was not like researching Yellow Jacket, which there was so little that I couldn't help but screw it up. There's pages and pages and tons of words on this fella. And so, you know, I guess it's no surprise that he would have quite the backstory. He seems to be important to this uh, universe. And, you know, to be the, the capstone of a campaign, it's the guy's got to be something, right? Yeah. So he's definitely earned the right to anchor that box. But buckle up, friends. This is there's a lot. It's not like weird. It's not crazy. It's um, probably a lot of it isn't really even that surprising based on um, the type of villain that he is and what, you know, he's come to represent and the story about him that's in the campaign box. Like much of this backstory tonight won't surprise anybody. Are you saying we're not going to have pre and post bananas like we did with Kang? Correct. Oh, okay. Correct. I think I think that's that's this guy's. Red Skull's through line is pretty um, unsurprising to chart, okay. I think. Yeah. So, you know, guys, I I kind of hate to admit what I'm about to say to start it off, but it is kind of true because the the beginning of his origin story it tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. Like it, you know, it has that it has that sympathetic start that a lot of these villain backstories do before it quickly descends into that. Yeah, but no, we don't really care about him. So. He's got like that that Dickensian start. He's 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 almost like Pip hmm. 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 in the beginning, and only in the beginning. And then and then the wheels fall way way off. As with many of our villains, there's that that there's that chance for a sympathetic reading, a, a compassionate understanding of their character, or what drove them to villainy, and then well, Nazis. So you know all that kind of ends there. So so Red Skull. Well, actually, no, 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 not yet. We're not Red Skull. Not until we are. So let me explain. We are Johann Schmidt, child of scorn, the smudge-faced little urchin on the German streets trying to get by in a harsh world that cares nothing for him. A world wherein his first living encounters were of death and madness, a mother's sacrifice, and a father's attempts to drown the child he blames for it. So that's pretty good, right? Like yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can see a novel built around that kind of origin. So Johan survives by thrift, I suppose. You know, he's, he's got that kind of existence. It's characterized by those forced into kind of a harsh survival, right? Petty theft, vagrancy, and getting by, human compassion and engagement. Why, that's just a thing of dreams, gentlemen. But by his teen years, it's definitely time to plug the tear ducts. Johan was a worthless turd. And once the rage and the bloodthirsty thrill of murder and death took hold, it was just too late. 
You see, for a while, a kindly Jewish shopkeeper employed Johann, and the boy fell in love with the shopkeeper's daughter. Again, this is, you know, this is a, tro a timeless trope for the ages, right? Well, when his clumsy advances were rebuffed, he murdered the poor girl, fled the scene, and, and reveled in the ecstasy he felt at her death by his own hands. So we'll skip ahead some number of years. Someone hires this piece of garbage, Johann, to work as a bellhop in a hotel. Now, the Third Reich has just recently come to power, and Johann finds that there's like this part of himself that yearns for someone to show him what true power looks like. There's like this vacuum in his soul that he needs to fill with just evil. Well, lo and behold, guys, who should be staying at the hotel one night? Uh, would it perhaps be a certain head Nazi? It is! One Adolf Hitler himself, and there... Johann sees that certain someone he's been searching for all this time. Someone who shares his blind hatred, his frenzy, his crazy, immoral sense of everything. In short, he, he kind of realizes, being privy to this one conversation where Hitler's dressing down one of his uh, underlings, he, he turns to Johann and says, like, I could teach this bellhop to be a better Nazi than you. And in that moment, it occurs to 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 johan all he wants to do what he wants to be it's his desire to become a conniving suck-up is made manifest at that moment so in a not so nuanced scene hitler takes a shine to johan and soon the latter finds himself as hitler's number two and i mean Ooh. that in every sense of the term i mean that in every sense of the term <laughs> so it's actually hitler who gave him the red kind of total skull mask and named him red skull and, and in his early nazi days Johan actually answered only to Hitler. He's given very specific tasks, um, which used his particular skill set, which was kind of honed to spreading terror. That was kind of his thing. But his main job, really, was to sow terror and misinformation in the States and kind of do like a subversive offensive um, at Hitler's behest. So naturally, he got a job at Fox News. There he met his primary nemesis, Captain America, who was, and this I didn't know, um, because I kind of know virtually nothing about this world. But Captain America was created specifically as a costume persona built to oppose Red Skull. Um, and they started their feud before the States was even in the war proper. So, so yeah, very interesting. Did you guys know that about Captain America? Like why he was created? I had no idea. Yeah, I had I have been reading up and I had read that he was purposely built to oppose Hitler. And yet Red Skull mm. kind of became his primary foe. So. Right. I think, yeah, Red Skull was here in the States and doing stuff. And um, So at first Hitler loves this guy. Skull was awesome. He took over military command in parts of Europe. He created teams of badasses. He built secret bases all over the place. But guys, have we not seen what's coming before? What happens to these villains when they're just subordinates for a while? They're just sort of that, that right-hand man. What happens to them? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, hey? They gotta yeah. take power, yeah. Yeah, they just want a little more, you know? So Red Skull kind of kills his way to the top, like gets rid of Hitler's advisors and his other, you know, um, underlings. Um, and soon Hitler finds that his, that his lapdog and bootlicker isn't that easy to control. Skull didn't want to be a number two, though he definitely was. Skull wanted to out Hitler Hitler. And really made no bones about it. So how this plays out, well, we're going to end our study of Red Skull, the early years, which is sort of my job for researching tonight, with the creation of the Sleepers. Now, 
Hitler had always said that if he lost the war, he would destroy the world, right? Like that, that was his thing. And Red Skull went about creating these gigantic war machines called the sleepers and, and it kind of hid them around the world where they were power powering up until they were needed. Well, it turns out Red Skull was going to use these things regardless, right? Um, for he saw them as a key to taking over the world with or without his leader, not destroying the world and setting it all ablaze, but like becoming the leader of the world, right? So the Nazi codename Der Tag is initiated and the allies get wind of it. And with Captain America's help, they begin to combat Red Skull throughout Europe and sort of thwart these these evil war machines all over where where they appear. All right. Um, Der Tag means the day, by the way, and that that, that was the code name for when every all these sleepers are gonna wake up and take over. So then it gets a little funky and some other people join in the mix. We we got Baron Zemo um sets it sets kind of this wild trap for Captain America in England. And he shows up there and he dukes it out with Red Skull and Red and like Red Skull's got this live grenade in his hand and then Captain America hits him with his shield and the grenade goes off and basically Red Skull um gets like buried in debris, right? And is sort of stuck there. Um and this weird experimental gas pours out, but really all Zemo was doing was trying to set a trap where he could get Captain America and put him under suspended animation, right? Remember, that's kind of how we find him in the movies, right? I I remember, isn't he? Yeah, he goes down in the ice, yeah, and gets yeah, suspended he goes down, over like, time. Okay. Yeah, and so this is one that happens in this sort of, like, final confrontation with, with Red Skull. So, but then Red Skull's sitting there, he's pinned, and he's he's dying, but then this weird experimental gas starts leaking all over, and it heals him slowly over time, as he also goes into suspended animation. And they're both, you know, at some point going to, you know, reawake and reignite their their blood feud. And so this is our Red Skull. This is this is the origin of him. This is what, like I'm going to stop there because I think that's kind of part one and two of his story. And I don't know. I find him. Well, this is what I want to talk to you guys about. Like, it's not really a super compelling backstory because it seems almost rudimentary and cliche the the thing that he becomes right he's really simply an embodiment of or a personification of just toxic hate and mayhem and sounds like he exists just to make captain america captain america at this point i think that's yeah it seems like him but mike i know you've got stuff you're going to be talking about next week and there's lots of cool stuff that's in his story like you know he's got there's like Exile Island. There's some baby making. There's something called them, which I don't think is giant ants, but it it is to me in my history. There's his there's his death. Then there's his not death, and then there's just this. It gets wild. Like that's where his story gets kind of weird and all over the place. You know, like once once these people die and then wake up again, I feel like all bets are off. So, um, his story is far from done at the end of World War II, as we can tell from our campaign box. So I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you know that I missed? Uh, nothing about the early years. Okay. Maybe you guys can jump on me before our listeners do. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I did read up on a nice little series, and I was going to save it, but I think now is a good time to talk about it. So it's called Red Skull Incarnate, number one through five. It's a series that just focuses directly on Red Skull. There's no Captain America, no heroes in the way. Uh, this is a 2011 it's a look at Johan's very early life, 
all the kind of stuff we talked about up until that point where he joins Hitler uh, while he's an urchin in the street. And um, when that shopkeeper takes him in and, and all of that as he's the bellhop with a little bit more put into it, it has a really interesting – there's a forward in it where the author talks about how he did this research. He wanted to make it authentic and historically accurate as he could for Germany at the time. And it really kind of gives you a look at what Germany is like after World War One, leading into mm-hmm. World War Two, and this world he grows up in, and the conflicting Communist Party and the Nazi Party, and the the the, the just the very difficult uh, situation that's there. That obviously leads into this fictional Red Skull, um, but it's really well researched. It, the art is really really nice. And it is compelling. It does give you, like you said, those first few years of his life, you like are somewhat sympathetic to him. Mm-hmm. And then then it becomes, you know, a, a real number two, like, like you said. <laughs> um, uh, but it leads it, it leads into Hitler's takeover of Germany and that night in the hotel and all that and how Johann joins the Nazis. And then it pretty much stops there. He never becomes Red Skull in this series. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, he joins Hitler, tells him, uh, do this thing and you'll be, you know, you'll be my number two, basically. And, 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 you know, boom, that's it. It ends. So it's a really neat series if you want to take a look at Johann Schmidt as a young, young man and a teen. Because um, then after that, like you said, then then he joins the Nazi party and he does his thing. And then at some point right. he discovers, well, the Nazis going to lose. And... I don't necessarily agree with Hitler anymore, and I want to create Hydra or rise, get Hydra to rise up again. And mm-hmm. he goes into that. And there is a point where, in all of this, he ends up with a super soldier serum. So he is physically the equal of Captain America. So they are polar opposites. And I've read a lot on him lately, and he says he laments the fact at one point that he is not as evil as Captain America is good. So that's kind of a real look into his life of what his wow. goals, right? He he's not as evil as Cap is good, and it makes them complete polar opposites and arch enemies. Wow, this box as a whole is it's been really hard to sympathize with these villains. I mean, between Crossbow yeah. and Zola <laughs> and Red Skull, like, ugh, I think we right. need to break character, guys. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Jordan yeah. Man, not so bad. Like he's yeah. probably the yeah best one Last in the semester. box. Yeah. Yeah, Taskmaster's actually a good guy. He's really working for Shield. We just he just doesn't know it. Uh, yeah, yeah. These are all true villains that we can get behind the heroes, you know. Um, but there are yeah. some there are some compelling Red Skull stories that are very interesting uh, that we'll talk about uh, in part three of the series. Yeah, this is you know yet again another opportunity for us to remind listeners that our quote-unquote identification with the villains is purely cheek um yeah yeah so so please but uh so and again steve that was red skull incarnate number one through five from 2011 yeah yep and it's out on um marvel unlimited and i'm sure you can find it in a trade paperback somewhere awesome well let's talk about like we do the uh the cards that start on the table for red skull um, do you want to set this up for us, Steve, like you always do with our monologues? Sure. So Red Skull has 28 total cards. There's 14 encounter cards by title, not counting the villain and the main schemes. So tonight we're going to look at Red Skull's one through three, his main schemes, 
And we're going to talk about his side scheme deck because that's an important setup piece to understanding how it, how it gets set up. So, Daniel, you have the uh, the man tonight, so why don't you give us Red sure. Skull? Let me tell you about Red Skull. Um, so, Red Skull, he's a unique villain. That may surprise you. Uh, he's level one. He's Hydra two scheme, zero attack with an asterisk. And that asterisk reads, Red Skull gets plus one attack for each side scheme in play. 12 hit points per player. That seems kind of low, right? It does. It does it's, until you're in the thick of it. Until, yep, you're like, oh, 12. All right. Uh, Red Skull 2, same stuff, but three scheme, one attack with that plus one for each side scheme. Uh, and when he is revealed, so if you start in expert mode, this is how you're starting your game. When revealed, deal each player an encounter card. Very Green Goblin-esque. Although it doesn't he even get more? He does, right? Yeah, Goblin two. gets more. Two, jeez. Yeah. And our version three red skull is three scheme, two attack with the same plus one attack for side schemes. And again, when revealed, deal each player an encounter card. Yeah, give us his health. Oh, I'm sorry. It's um 12, like I said, for the first 16 and then 20 per player. So he ramps up pretty heavy. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that 12, it does seem pretty, pretty low. And then it, it's a good jump. You know, four mm-hmm. points, four points. So if you're playing on expert, sixteen and twenty, they're they're no they're no joke. So no, but you know, on the surface, this card isn't all that fright worthy, but it sure mentions some things that may be this this side scheme thing. So that's what we need to unpack tonight for sure to talk about just how strong he is. So which one of you would like to talk about the main scheme that comes with Red Skull? Oh sure, awesome. Uh, the rise of Red Skull. This is played normally with the modular sets Hydra Assault and Hydra Patrol. Setup, put the Red House into play. That's one of these side schemes. Shuffle every other side scheme into the set the side scheme deck and set it next to the encounter deck. Set the sleeper aside out of play. And on 1B, Red Skull plans to conquer the world with the power of the Reality Stone. He uses his strategic genius to keep you busy while he works toward his goal. Forced response after resolving step one of the villain phase, reveal the top card of the side scheme deck and put it into play. Mm. It starts with zero threat. It goes up by one per player and with a max of eight per player. So that uh, tells us what's going on. Hey, you got a, a deck of side schemes, a deck of side schemes that changes depending on what modular sets you put in there. And there's one being revealed every turn. So he goes from zero to bananas really quickly. Yeah, should we talk about 2A and then discuss the side scheme deck here? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. All right, 2A, New World Hydra. The Red Skull is one step closer to unlocking the full power of the Infinity Stone. You need to stop him before he does, and all reality is bent to his will. When revealed, reveal the top card of the side scheme deck and put it into play. Okay, and then 2B has the same forced response. It also it has, if the scheme is completed, the players lose the game. Starts with one per player, goes up by one per player, and maxes out at 11 per player. That one revealed hurts a lot. <laughs> if he gets here, you're already down a little bit. And it kicks you and you're down. And it also means you can't just quickly set up and you know, blitz through the first stage and then, then be ready because you're, just, you're put so far behind. Right, so this side scheme deck... Um, Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. We're going to take... Red Skull has several side schemes in his 
set to start with. And then you're adding any side scheme for modular sets, regardless of what modular set you're playing. But there's a few in Hydro Patrol and that sort of thing. But even still, it's a fairly thin deck, right? Like maybe five or six cards. And every turn, you put out a threat, you know, like the start of the villain phase, then you reveal one of those side schemes. And typically those aren't very good, right? <laughs> they have acceleration icons or hazards or wh whatever effect is on them. And the neat thing I, of having them come out right away is they're in play when the encounter phase starts. So like hazards take effect, crises are out, things like that that just, you know, you're guaranteed to see one. Yep. And you're going to get the one out. Maybe you've got two, you haven't cleared one, or maybe you've just flipped to 2A, so now you're definitely going to have two in play. And then Red Skull gets a bonus attack for each of those, right? At first, A is a zero plus one, so maybe it's only a plus one early in the game. But if you get to Red Skull three, and you've got a couple side schemes out, he's attacking for four, five. Yeah. That can be pretty tough. Now, when you defeat these schemes from the side scheme deck, they go into the normal encounter discard pile, right? No. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they go into the side scheme discard pile. Okay, interesting. You'll just get shuffled right back into the side scheme deck and keep which going. Makes his in, which makes his encounter deck even more treacherous. Right. right? Now, that's, that yeah. side scheme deck, when it runs out, you don't add an acceleration token. There's no bonus encounter cards. Mm -hmm. it's, not like a, it's not like a regular deck that runs out. It just, you reshuffle and you keep going. So you're going to see the same five or six side schemes over and over and over and over and over and over again. You got to beat him fast. You got to beat him fast. Uh, there are some exceptions, but we'll talk about that next week when we talk about the sleeper, because we've set the sleeper aside out of play, which was right. a card we got to spoil from FFG. So that's, that's right. Cool. I believe he lives in Daniel's backyard. Yep. Yeah. Right down the yep. street. So it was hanging out with Brood X, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the cicadas are awesome, man. They are really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. It's. It's been a, a fun and wild ride with those creatures. Um, well, since it comes out with with the starting with the main scheme, let's talk a little bit about the Red House. This is a side scheme that begins in play. Okay, Red Skull built his fortress over the White House as a symbol of Hydra's conquest over America. Red Skull cannot take damage. Interrupt when a character thwarts the side scheme, they may use their attack instead of their thwart, and it's Three threat per player. I like this one. Yep. Yeah, it has a cool, a cool theme. Like, you have to bust in there to get to him. Like, he's safe yep. behind the walls in his fortress. Um, it requires some tactical or some strategery when you, you go after it, right? Because yeah. you, you might have a handful of attack events, but they're not going to do you any good until you can get rid of this card. To a certain extent, the previous villains can be rushed. This helps prevent that. Correct. Yeah, it, it lets you have to thwart, gives your justice player something to do, or, you know, your aggression or whoever it is. Now, you get to use your attack stat to clear this threat, but you can't use an attack event, which is a, a minor but important distinction, I think. You can use bonuses to your attack score, of course, right? Like combat training and stuff. Stuff like that, yeah. Would count, yeah, sure. So if you don't clear it right away, Red Skull's got plus one attack. You're going to get a second side scheme, and now he's got plus two attack. So you really yeah. want to try to get rid of this right away because you're already behind the eight ball because you can't do any damage to him. Um, and then when you defeat it, it just goes into that side scheme discard pile, eventually going to get shuffled in. And I've had a few games where, oh man, next turn I'm going to beat Red Skull. And this comes up and, and just shows up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's worse than a tough, I think. <laughs> it is worse than a tough. Yeah. Especially in solo. Mm. So what do you guys think about his setup? It's different. It's kind of the, you know, I, I like it. it. It doesn't seem too difficult to remember any of the rules. It's a little different than the rest of the guys. Yep, Makes them stand yep. out. Yeah. And it's appropriately difficult for the box. It's a good capstone. Right. It is. You know, you know, the first time I played in this, maybe I'll say more about it in the third issue of this, but like the first time I took on Red Skull with, with Becky and Andy, we just beat him up real quick. Like it was over fast. We never, never had more than one side scheme out. So it was interesting. It was sort of like anticlimactic. And then, and then when we played, I feel it, it went like it was supposed to. <laughs> Where our campaign ended in a loss. Yeah, the, yeah. the double Legions of Hydra in the side scheme deck. Yeah, yeah if so, you can't handle the side schemes coming out, if you don't have somebody that is able to remove the threat consistently, large amounts of threat yeah. in a three or four player game, because a lot of the side schemes we'll see have like three threat per player. If you can't get rid of right. them, they start to compound on each other. You know, oh, there's another acceleration, or oh, there's another hazard, or it's a crisis now, and so we have to leave sure. the yeah. And um, since all the side schemes are over here, next week we're gonna t- we'll talk about how that encounter deck is just loaded with minions and treacheries. So you kind of know what's coming, but you, I don't know if you can stop it. It can really snowball for sure. But I like Red Skull a lot. Yeah, it's a fun. It's fun here. Have you guys ever played this? Um, just one off standard take on Red Skull. Yeah. Uh, is it, is a, it fun to do it that way? Yeah, I played a few games actually in prep for this show. And um, mm. you leave all the campaign stuff behind, which typically, in my experience, the campaign, you've gotten a, quite a few bonuses. So it makes it yeah. a little easier. And playing it standalone, you don't have those bonuses. So right. Oh, right. Yeah. All, all the toys you've won. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, a good start. A good start. Right, Looking so, forward to next week with Mike taking over yeah. the storytelling. I should do so some writing. Two- <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right, Mike, we're- tell the fine folks how they can get a hold of us. Hey, what color is your federal building? Remember, you might have the reality stone one day. You can make it happen too. Email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane. Big Foam Loaf, The Truth, and Wandering Tuke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Red Skull, you're number two. Take us out. I am your superior in every way. Cut off one head, and two more will take its place. Hey, Hydra! I mean Hydra. <laughs>